0: God's Word has a way of speaking into our lives where we're living and helping us to deal with the things we're dealing with. If there's one question I would ask here this morning, it is this, how are you doing? In your own personal journey, how are you doing? I want to deal with that a little bit this morning There's uh, three books that I've been reading. Uh, One of them is The the Key to Everything. The Key to Everything. There's a lot of different things that we deal with in life itself. And God has not only a plan, but he has a key that we can use in that whole process of life. And then the second book that I've been reading is Where I Am, and that's a book by Billy Graham. He really was writing that book more toward the close of his life. Uh, He had lost his wife. His health was slipping away. He wasn't doing any more crusades, you know, but he still was serving God and used in a mighty way. Whatever it is you're going through, where were you at here today? And then the third book that I've been reading is Crazy Faith. And I won't give a little picture of that now, but I'll I'll deal with that a little later. I want to look at the scripture, and I want to find that in the scripture that, uh, as Doug has been preaching about the Lord's Prayer, in, in Matthew, that sixth chapter in that 13th verse, it says, Deliver us from the evil one. Deliver us from the evil one. If you take evil itself and put a D on it, you've got the devil. And what that scripture is really saying is, Deliver us from the devil because he does have schemes and he he does work at trying to trip us up in our own personal journey that we are on in life itself. If you go back, and I'm going to kind of touch on part of what Doug preached on last Sunday, but if you go back into Genesis and we, we look there at the enemy, the devil, as he is getting ready to tempt Eve, and then later Adam will be impacted by that. But if you look at that scripture, you're going to find that in that third third chapter, beginning with that first verse, it says that the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. He he was a trickster. He was a liar. He was a deceiver. He would he would come as if he was bringing light, and in reality, he would be uh, bringing darkness. I want us to look at life as it is. You know, we this last couple of years, uh, our worlds have, has been turned upside down because of COVID. I was thinking back when we really COVID was hitting, and and uh, we closed the church down, and we still had a service, but you were going to have it now online. I remember that. I remember that first service where I was at home, and I have my favorite chair, and it's my chair. <laughs> You, you, matter of fact, if you come to our house, Karen will say, "Now that's Jack's chair, you know <laughs> but but we have our, our favorite chair, and I remember I remember, that, I remember that, that first service, and uh, we had our cup of coffee, and I had my favorite chair, and we sat there in our own living room there with the TV on watching the service. And I remember the statement that Karen made. She said, I kind of like this. <laughs> we didn't have to get cleaned up. We didn't have to get to the car. We didn't have, to, didn't have to comb my hair. I didn't have to shave. I didn't, you know, I could just sit there and do what I wanted to do and, and, and enjoy the service. And that was, I enjoyed it. But it wasn't long. It wasn't long until I missed you you know the bible it's very clear in the fact that uh, we need that assembling together we we need each other Uh, we need each other's prayers we need each other's smiles i don't know how well i don't smile the best but we we still need that and 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 we find that 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 covid has kind of turned things around and and there are many that need to come home back home they they say that about a third about a third of the people that were regular attenders are not regular attenders anymore and and we're not to live in a spirit of fear and if you have the health you need to be in the with the family it's not only for you, but, but God has a way of using us in ways that we don't understand. He's a, uh, he's a deceiver, and we, we are creatures of habit. And for many, we had the habit of every Sunday being there in the house of God, and then things just kind of got turned upside down and formed new habits. I want to move on with the Scripture We find that here in in Genesis, there's a debate that begins to take place between, of course it's the woman, but we use the word man, but, but, but there was a debate that was beginning to take place between man and God, and man's laws, and man's ability to interpret God's laws. And the scripture said, now this is talking of the serpent, and he said that he said to the woman, has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? I'm gonna change that. Has God said that you should go to church on a regular basis? <laughs> you know, but because there was an argument that was getting ready to take place, and in the heart and in the mind of man, there was going to be rationale that would also take place. But it said, but said, but has God said that? You shall not eat of the tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, well, we may eat of the fruit of the tree of the garden. But the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God said, you shall not eat of it, Nor touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. Can you see the question there, questioning God? I asked myself the question as a young man, as I read this scripture, I said, what was the big deal about just eating from the tree of the garden? It was just something that looked good and tastes good. And what was the big deal of all of that? I want to touch on that this morning. God said, you shall not, you shall not touch it lest you die. Then, then the serpent said to the woman, oh, you sh- will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, Your eyes will be open, and you will be like God. You can make decisions as to what's right and wrong. You will be like God. You you will not have to just take God's word for it, but you can be like God. You will be like God. For God knows that in that day, you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And what that is saying is, you will move into a place where you can decide what's right, and you can decide what's wrong. You can be a God unto yourself. You can really just move into that realm to where you can rationalize and you can be like God. I've heard it said so many times, I'm going to do it my way. And one of the things that I've learned in this journey is that anything that God moves into my life, He moves it into my life for my good because God loves me and He cares about me. That you'll be like God. You'll, you'll be able to decide what is right and wrong. You know, do you ever have wake-up calls in your own life? You know, I think we all do at times. Where we have to reevaluate. We think we're doing good, and then we begin to realize maybe things are out of whack a little bit. I know here not long ago, I, I went into the doctor. And... uh you, you ever justify? I think we all do. But I went in to see the doctor, and I, before I went in, I they, they had this crazy thing you got to step on. I hate it. I, you know, it's like, you know, can't you forget that one that one step? Because that that scale it doesn't lie, and and so I had to step on that. And then with me, because of the fact that I struggle with my sugar, uh, they, 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 they have a tendency, they want to take blood once in a while and check. And, and I knew what was coming. And I'll never forget, I, I sat there, and the doctor comes into the room, and he hadn't said anything yet, and I began to tell him, thinking that he would say, well, yeah, I understand that. I began to say, you know, I just I kind of I've kind of over I I, I like to eat I, I I kind of overdid it and I, I, I and then and then I I like sweets and 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 I was thinking you know he would say to me you know, I understand that I I'm the same way. <laughs> he was kind, but he was direct. And he looks at me, and he said to me. He said, for you, now that's not for everybody else, but he said, for you, he said, sugar, it's a poison for you. And then he said to me, he said, you've got to lose some weight. I already knew all of that. But I I needed the wake-up call. And, And that's one of the reasons that we gather together as we do on a Sunday morning. And we open the Word of God, and we have a pastor like Pastor Doug that gets up here and speaks what God has laid on his heart. And in reality, everything he basically tells us, we already know. But in reality, we need that wake-up call. And one of the reasons it's not good that we be a God unto ourselves one of the reasons it's not good that we be a god unto ourselves is the fact that our heart is evil and our heart is deceptive and we have a tendency in life itself to lie to ourselves. So in life life we need at times we need that that wake up call. And this this picture here in this next verse, this sixth verse, fits us all in one way or another. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, in other words, whatever Satan tempts you with, it, it it looks good, it tastes good, it smells good, it, it it's pleasant to you. But but the woman said, what the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eye and a tree desirable to make one wise she took of its fruit and she ate it she also gave it to her husband with her and he ate it then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and and made themselves coverings. What happened in that moment? They moved from their moment of innocence and a whole new world opened up for them. Can I tell you here this morning that that there are times when We're tempted, and if we give in to that temptation, whatever it is, we move from that moment of innocence. And guilt. I hate guilt. We've all experienced guilt because we have all sinned, and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. But guilt begins to move in. Key to everything. Key to everything. There's a battle that is raging for your heart. For the key is where your heart is. That's where your treasure is going to be. Whatever you give yourself into begins to get hold of you. If it's God, then he gets a bigger hold on your life. If it's being a God to yourself, those things get a bigger hold on your life. But there's a key to everything. And and there's something about plowing up hard ground so you can have ground that is workable so that you can put seeds in it and it will be able to take root and those seeds will be able to grow. In this spiritual journey that we're on, we have to plow up the hard ground, which is our heart. The scripture says that their hearts, they were were far from him, And in vain, they worshipped me. Their hearts were far from me, but they still worshipped. But in vain they worshipped because their heart was far from me. If God can get your heart, he's going to get you. (laughs) And he's going to bless you. And he's going to... Make your life better. There's a transfer of affection. We are born with a carnal spirit. We are born where we have that pull onto ourselves. And, And our affection really becomes for us to do what we want to do and to live how we want to live. And when that surrender to Christ takes place, there's a transfer of affection. And I believe that today, for many that are even in this room, that we need to go back to our roots. We need to refall in love with Jesus. We need to let those commitments that we make to him go deeper than they've ever gone before. I want to go back to where I am that's the book that Billy Graham wrote and he talks about heaven he was coming down to the close of life he also in this book he talks about a lot of other things that impact our lives things that we deal with but he moves into that area where he's talking about heaven and one of the things that I think sometimes we forget is the fact that as we're living this life, we cannot just live for this life. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. We're part of the world, but the world does not control us. There is still a dimension of victory that has been provided for man that man might be free from the things that would bind him and hold him. I like that scripture in John, that 14th chapter in the third verse. It says, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again, and I will receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And one of the things I'm so aware of is that this home, I like it, I'll fight for life. God has put it within me to live as long as I can. But one of these days, I know I'm going to change addresses and i'm going to move on up <laughs> to a place that he has prepared i want to move i want to move on a little quickly here crazy faith in mark the 5th chapter beginning with that first verse we see a man that his life is so full of bondage and his life is so full of turmoil that everybody around him has given up on him. His family had given up on him. They didn't want anything to do with him at all, and the community had given up on him. They didn't want anything to do with him. He was a man, he was a man that there were so many things that were controlling his life, which it goes back to the devil and the demonic hold that the enemy had on his life, but there were so many things that were controlling his life that those things were destroying his life. Can I just say this here this morning? If there's something that has a strong hold on your life, there's still power in the blood. God still has the power to break the hold. Everybody else, everybody else had given up on this man. But Jesus hadn't given up on him. I want to read the scripture. It begins with that first verse. It said that they came to the other side of the sea. Turn to the country of the guardians and when he had come out of the boat immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs and no one could bind him In other words his life was so much out of control that nobody could bring any order into his life at all It said no one could bind him Not even with chains, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces, neither could any one tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones." when he saw Jesus from afar he ran not away from him but toward him and worshipped him and then he cried out with a loud voice and said what have I to do with you Jesus son of the most high God I implore you by God, that you do not torment me. He was in such torment. It had to be a God thing that he would even run toward Jesus because most people in that kind of a setting would run away from Jesus and hide among the tombs, but somehow there was a drawing by God on his heart and he runs toward Jesus. But he didn't have much hope in himself. Can, can I tell you that's what sin does. It has a way of putting us in a place to where we don't even believe in ourselves. We don't believe anybody can deliver us from whatever stronghold that Satan has in our life. We, 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 we just have a tendency to think that we are destined to live with that battle for all of our life. To do not torment me. Can, can I tell you here this morning if you're struggling in some area in your life, Jesus is not here to torment you, He's here to set you free. He still has the power over everything, He still has the power over everything. And I like this, for Jesus said to him, come out of the man unclean spirit. Then he asked him, what is your name? And he said, saying, my, my name is Legion, for we are many. Also he begged him earnestly that he would not send them out of the country Now a large herd of swine was feeding there near the mountains. So the demons begged him saying, send us to the swine that we may enter them. And at once Jesus gave them permission. Then the unclean spirit went out and entered the swine. And there were about 2,000 And the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned. I want to stop there for a moment if I can. Jesus is wanting it to be made clear that what this man is dealing with is not just some kind of mental disorder on off balance thing in his life. And I believe that there are times when we can struggle with those kind of things. But he wanted, him, he wanted people to understand because I've, I've read this scripture over and over again and I ask myself the question, why in the world did Jesus literally take those demons and let them go into those swine? I think he wanted people to understand that there was a greater work that was taking place that this man in his life the enemy had personally attacked him and the enemy had a demonic hold on his life. And and can can I just tell you today that the enemy, what he wants for every person is he wants to have some kind of a hold in some area of our lives that will rob us of the joy and the peace that Jesus wants us all to have. He wants us to be tormented. And, and so we find that Jesus draws the picture, and I'm not going to go any further with the Scripture, but one, as you finish out the Scripture, you'll find that as this man is released, it said that he came to Jesus in his right mind. Because of everything else that had happened to him, it had affected him mentally, of course, but Jesus did a total healing in his life. I want to ask you a question today. I I asked it earlier, but where are you? Where are you in your life, in your journey, in your battle? There was a man that uh, I ministered to when I was pastoring in uh, Lincoln. His name was Jay. He was, a, he was a black man. He really became a very, 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 very close friend of mine. Uh, when he was in prison, uh, uh, he was a Muslim, and, and he was a teacher. He would teach mu- the, that Muslim faith. And... Uh, Somebody had given him a Bible, and in the whole process of it all, as God has a way of working, there in that prison, God began to break into his life. And he said this to me, and I, I wanted to understand it as much as I could. He said, that, he said, he said, as I began to read the Bible, as I began to, to look over the Muslim faith, he said that there was something in me, he said, I could not reconcile that faith that I was teaching. And I wanted, I wanted to know what, it, what in the world did he mean? He couldn't reconcile. He couldn't get it to balance out. It, 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 didn't, it didn't all run consistently together. And when he got out of prison, and, and in the process we had the privilege of knowing him in, in North Platte, when he got out of prison he was still battling over some of those things that had a hold on his life that was a part of who he was as a as an individual and as as a criminal, but he he struggled with some of those things that still had a hold on his life, and drugs were one of them. Jay was wanting to to clean up his life and and I wanted to know basically how he was doing because I knew that today I was going to be using Uh, His story a little bit in part of my message, so I called Jay and I asked him. I said, "Jay, tell me how how are you doing?" And he said, "I'm doing great." He talked about his own involvement now in prison ministry. He talked he talked about uh, how that he went through his own struggle, and I'll share that a little more with you. But he said, "I've been set free," and I said, "When did you get set free?" He said, I had had listened to a lot of preachers, and I'd read a lot of books, but he said one day, he said, God spoke to me and said, you're following, the nothing wrong with the preachers, nothing wrong with the books he was reading, but he said, you're doing all of that, but he said, you really don't know me. And there was a turnaround. There was a breakthrough. There was a a, a a victory that began to take place in his life. I remember Jay when he, got he would he would go for a while, and then the temptation for the drugs would get great, and then he would bull, he would just go all the way with it, and then he would try to recover. And I remember one of those times, and he was coming down for the drugs, and we invited him into our home and we let him sleep it off and we let him kind of regain his strength and i can remember as we would visit with jay jay was trying to put his past behind him and he was trying to move forward the best he knew how with god and out in colorado he had a a warrant that was out there and there was some time that he was if he would go back to Colorado and they'd pick him up, they'd put him in jail. And he, he wanted to clean things up and he wanted to serve out that time that he really owed to them. And I remember when we got in the car and I drove him back to Colorado and I, I put him up in a motel there at the Hampton Inn. And the next day he went, he went on into the jail and served out his time. Jay was trying to clean up the past that he had before him. But he was struggling, he was struggling, he was struggling. The the, the hold that that the drugs had on him, they, they had him bound just like this man. In, in some ways there were times when it looked like that God would never be able to deliver Jay from the things that had such a major hold on his life. I remember, I remember reading in the paper and with Jay when we were living back there that he got high on drugs and he seen all kind of things and he took a ball bat and he beat his car to death. Didn't hurt anybody else or anybody else's vehicle, but just, he was fighting those demons. Can I, can I just tell you this morning, if there's any area and all in your life where the enemy has a strong hold on your life, God still has the power to break the hold. See, he's God. We're not God. And we can do what we can do, but there comes a time when God, in his own power, has to come into our life and set us free from things that have us bound. But I asked Jay. I said, "How you do it?" He talked about the Bible studies that he's leading and the ministries that he's involved in, and and I could hear it in his voice, and I could tell that that God truly doesn't mean he still doesn't have battles, but God truly has set him free. When I started the um, The message here this morning. I asked the simple question, "How you doing?" (laughs) And and then, and then I, I, I mentioned about the devil, evil, and put a D in there, and you've got the devil. How you doing in your battle? And how you how you doing in your struggle? Do you have any chains that need to be broken in your life? Do you have anything that, that you, you're serving God, you're doing the best you can, but you need, you need God to do something special in your life? Is there anyone here this morning, which I believe there is, that you just, you, you just need God? You've read the books, you've gone to the classes, you've gone through a lot of those things, you've talked to people, but you just haven't been set free yet. There's some area in your life. I want us to do this in closing here this morning. If, if, if there's anyone at all, anyone at all, that you would just, you, you don't have to come forward. You can, you don't have to. But you, this morning as we close out this service, if if there's anyone at all that you just feel like God, you need God to do something special in your life, I'm going to pray a prayer over you, and I'd, I'd like for you to just stand. And then, and then I want to include with that, if there's some here today that you could stand and testify to the fact that there have been areas in your life where God has set you free and God has delivered you from something, I'd like to have you stand. I want to bring it to a close. God loves us. He doesn't come to torment us. He doesn't come to hinder us. He doesn't, he, doesn't come, he doesn't come. He comes to deliver us. He comes to set us free. He comes to help us that we might not be living in a spirit of fear or anxiety, but that we might have liberty in Jesus Christ. Is there anyone like to just stand for a closing prayer? Stay where you're at. That's fine. Just stand, just stand, just stand, just stand. You know, there's something about doing this. I I think that if we're not ashamed of him, he won't be ashamed of us. If we acknowledge the fact we need him, there's nothing wrong with that. If we acknowledge the fact that he has done something in our life, there's nothing wrong with that. I think there are times when we just need to say, you know, it's not in my strength, but it's God's strength in me that helps me to be an overcomer. And our Father, as we have come to you this morning, we've looked at your word, and we have been reminded of the power of the gospel. We have been reminded that that you have the power to set men free, That that you have the power to take us, Lord, in our own lives and grow in you and be set in a place where we can have victory in you. And I want to pray over these, Lord, that the enemy has still been battling them and they they just need here in this this service this morning. We just they they just need you to do a special thing in their life and and I pray, God, that right now as they have stood, that, that you will do for them as you have done for individuals over and over again. And I pray, God, in those areas that here this morning, that you just do a special work. And then for those that are standing, because you have done that in the past, there's something that's uh, about the fact that we overcome through our testimony. We overcome in the fact that we acknowledge what you've done in our past, in the past. And we thank you, God, for who you are and what you do. In thy great and precious name we pray. Amen.